I'm so excited to be back here at Western Hills as we start a new series this morning, Reality Check. I'm very much looking forward to starting that today and going on for the rest of January. What a start to the year, huh? I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak too much on the events of last week. Really, all I want to say about it is that I believe that the series that we're going to cover this morning and for the rest of January will really help us cope with what happened last week, all of 2020, and the unexpected nature that 2021 seems to be promising us. So I can't thank you enough for letting us into your home or on your laptop, your phone, wherever you're watching this service this morning. I uh, thank you again for just letting us be a part of your Sunday morning worship experience as we start Reality Check. Now, what is a reality check? I don't know if you've ever been told that you need a reality check or somebody's told you to check yourself, but a reality check really is a look in the mirror, right? It's asking yourself, okay, who am I? Where am I? How am I acting? That's what a reality check is. It's taking a good, hard look in the mirror. And we need a reality check. As a country, as a community, as a church, as an individual, I need a reality check. In Paul's letter to the Colossians, it's four chapters, and each week we're going to break down one of those chapters. We're going to look at the main point that addresses something or a state of mind that clouds our reality with Jesus. Because it clouds how we view the world, how we view ourselves, and maybe even how we view Jesus. And as, as Scott mentioned, the Bible Project offers a great video over Colossians, and it goes through what the thesis is and the main point of the letter. If you haven't watched that or listened to their podcast, I encourage you to do so. They didn't pay me to say anything about it, so this is free advertisement for them. That's just a free resource for you to use. But I like this quote from the Bible Project. They write, Paul shows the Colossian Christians how Jesus is the key to understanding all of reality. Jesus is the key. If you want to understand who you are, what your identity is, where you are, what your current situation is, and how you are, how you are acting to others and to yourself. Jesus is the key to understanding your reality. If this is an Avengers movie, Jesus is holding the reality stone. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then I apologize for the nerdy reference. Jesus is the key to understanding all of reality. And for the Christians that are in Colossae, and, and the Paul is writing to in Colossians, for them, they are facing public pressures. Pressure from, from all over, from all angles, from Roman officials, from their family members, from their friends. Pressure to be somebody who is away from Christ. Pressure to say the right thing or say certain things or to remain silent. Pressure to act a certain way in order that they might be accepted or heard or be good enough. Maybe you're facing similar pressures today. 
What those pressures can do is they can add a lot of anxiety to our life. And anxiety clouds our reality with Jesus. Anxiety clouds our reality with Jesus. Anxiety is the fact that we want control over something that is out of our control. It's worrying so much that it creates fear of stepping out. Now we're going to get to some scripture here in a minute. We're going to get to Colossians here in a minute. That I promise you. But I want to touch a little more on what anxiety is. So I recently got engaged. Hi, Riley. I know you're watching this. Recently got engaged, and it was the greatest night of my life. I mean, we had friends from out of town come over. And we, had, we had a lot of family that was there to celebrate and, and be a part of our joy that Riley and I are going to spend the rest of our lives together. That is still just so cool to say. But the process leading up to that, that was a lot of anxiety. I mean, it started off as just this precious, simple, sweet moment that was just going to be between Riley and myself. And then I told, you know, my family, which they then have to tell more family members. And then we have to invite more people and we have to let this person know so that they can be prepared for what's going to happen. And all of a sudden it just snowballed to where all, the, all of these people know. So this thing that I had in my control, I controlled whenever it was going to happen, how it was going to happen, and who knew, it became out of my control. And it caused a lot of anxiety. I wanted that control back. It worked out great. She said yes, and we're happier than ever. Anxiety is you want to control something that is just out of your control. Another note on anxiety. Last year, I did for 10 weeks an Instagram live story series called 10 at 10, where we spent 10 minutes every single Thursday at 10 a.m. focusing on how we can spend more time with God and what blocks us from doing that. And it was great. I, I would interview people. I interviewed Scott, and I would sometimes go solo, and sometimes maybe it went a little over 10 minutes. But different topics, different subjects, and the topic that got the most views out of all 10 of those videos was anxiety. It got more than three times the amount of views on average for those videos. What that tells me is that people not only need a reminder of that they need a reality check and that they need their anxiety taken care of, but it tells me that regardless of where you are, regardless of who you are, regardless, regardless of your social status, how much money you make, your job title, your age, your political party, anxiety is real and we all have it to a certain extent. I like this quote from HenryFord.com that says, Anxiety is persistent, even when concerns are unrealistic. It often compromises your ability to function. Anxiety is persistent. Anxiety is relentless. Anxiety wants to, to hold you back, weigh you down. It wants you to stop pursuing your dreams. It wants to cover you with fear. Anxiety attacks. But what we're going to read in Colossians is that in reality, anxiety is no match for the cross. 
So here's what Paul has to say in Colossians, starting in verse 13 of chapter 1. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now let me, let me put the pause button right there. A domain of darkness. That's what anxiety is. It is a state of being. It is a season of darkness. A domain of darkness that, that covers us and wants to get rid of all light. Have you ever been walking around your house at night whenever it's pitch black and you can't see a thing and you really need a midnight snack? And you know, okay, the doorknob is here to get out. There's the fridge. That's my end goal because I really need a midnight snack. That's where I want to be, but I better watch out because the counter kind of comes out right here, and I better watch out for this lamp because it could topple over. There could be a Lego over there that I don't want to step on. You know how to navigate around your house in the pitch black because of what the light has shown you. We know how to navigate around the domain of darkness that anxiety casts and gives us because of what Jesus the light has shown us. He has transferred us from this domain of darkness into a kingdom through redemption, through the forgiveness of sins because of the cross that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for the Lord is with me and Jesus, for what he did on the cross, leads me, helps me, through this domain of darkness. It's because of the cross that we can have hope. And anxiety is no match for the cross. Anxiety does not stand a chance against the cross. And the cross is our reality check where fear, loathing, Hatred, worry are all found in the shadow that anxiety casts. Freedom, love, and hope is found in the shadow of the cross. The cross is our reality check. The cross is that mirror that we look into. It's where we say, okay, who am I? What's my identity? I don't even know who I am anymore. We go to the cross to find answers. Our identity is rooted in who Jesus Christ says we are. When we're wondering, where am I? How did I get here? We go to the cross to find our home. We go to the cross to find hope for the future. We're wondering, how am I acting towards others? I've been really short with people. I've been really angry at people for no reason. Say, how am I? We look to the cross to see how Jesus was towards people how jesus loves us and loves others the cross is our reality check so whatever whatever fear whatever worry whatever anxiety you might have on your shoulders right now whatever it may be it could be a family member if it is don't look at them right now it could be 
a political party that you're in. It could be politics in general. It could be the country. It could be your job. Whatever your anxiety is, put that on the cross and say, I need to transfer this over to Jesus. And Jesus will be able to turn our anxiety into hope. And we know this because of what Paul goes on to say in Colossians 1. Now this is a lot of scriptures, so make sure that you are tracking with me on this. Verse 15, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his blood in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. By the blood of his cross. You are made new, and you have hope. We all have hope by the blood of his cross. Verses 16 and 17 here are directly attacking your anxiety. Because anxiety can cause things in our lives, people in our lives, relationships in our lives to fall apart. It can hold us back. It can weigh us down. It can put us in a domain of darkness where we feel like everything is just falling apart. But Jesus is what holds it together. It is in him that our lives are held together. So, so whenever things feel like they're falling apart, whenever your relationships, whenever your, your marriage is rocky right now, whenever your family is not on stable ground, whenever you feel like you're falling behind at work or at your job, whenever things are just falling apart, the first thing that we need to do is go to the cross in order for Jesus to hold it all together, in order for us to say, I can't hold it on my shoulders anymore. I can't do this on my own. I'm not strong enough without Jesus. I need something to hope in and Jesus is there for us to put our hope in him and he is there to hold it all together because of the cross. It's very cold outside, but I'm getting a little hot right now. <laughs> I want us to have some hope. This hope that is found in the gospel, the hope that tomorrow will be better. The hope that 2021 is going to be better than 2020. The hope that, the same hope that turned Paul into murdering Christians into being a minister for Christ. 
I don't know about you, but I want that hope. Because I'm done being anxious. I'm done with that holding me back. I'm ready to hope in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus does not want us to sit in the shadow of anxiety that is a domain of darkness. Jesus wants us to stand in the shadow of the cross. He wants us to stand in the shadow of the cross. Now, can we read a story of Jesus doing this? John 8, verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. And from now on, go and sin no more. It's one of the more beautiful stories, I think, of Jesus. Maybe even my favorite story of Jesus. See, we, we have to remember that in this story, it's not just the woman and Jesus in a crowd of, of Pharisees and scribes. There's a crowd all around Jesus. He's got a following. People want to know what Jesus is all about. So there's a crowd, maybe even of hundreds, surrounding this woman who was thrown at Jesus' feet. And you, you remember those public pressures that I was talking about earlier? The pressures to, to be somebody else, the pressure to say a certain thing or to be silent, the pressure to just, just be somebody else in order that we might be accepted or heard or listened to or be good enough. She's facing a lot of pressure right now, which means that she's probably got a lot of anxiety going on out of things that she can't control. And I imagine her dirty. The Pharisees and scribes might have even grabbed her from the bed, meaning she's either in a nightgown, she may even be naked in front of these people. Imagine her just limp, can't move, Dirty, just with her head down, not wanting to be seen by anybody, not wanting to see anybody, wiping snot from her nose and tears from her eyes. Standing in the shadow of men who want to condemn her, who want to stone her, who want to maybe even leave her for dead. And as she's looking at her feet, she realizes and notices that this shadow of condemnation that's around her is getting dimmer 
and is getting smaller one by one as they leave. And as this crowd leaves, because it says that now Jesus is the only one left. And she is no longer standing in the shadow of condemnation in a domain of darkness, but she is standing in the shadow of a loving Savior. And her anxiety turns to hope. She realizes that there's no one left to condemn her, and neither is Jesus. Her story isn't over yet. She is now given a purpose, given a mission, given something to do to go and sin no more. Notice that that her mistake does not magically go away. She's still going to have to deal with the ramifications of what she did. But she's now able to navigate through that domain of darkness because of the hope that Jesus has provided. The same is true for us. Our story is not over yet. We are able to navigate through this domain of darkness because Jesus has transferred us to the kingdom of Him who is the beloved Son. And we too, just like this woman, we too have a mission, have a purpose. And it's when Paul says, do not shift away from the hope that is found in the gospel. We want to stay in this hope. We want to have hope in tough times. We have had a rough start to 2021 and we need hope today. We are called not to shift away from the hope that is found in the gospel. So what I want us to do preferably today, is I want us to write down what it is that we need to transfer to Jesus. What is causing us anxiety? What is putting us in a domain of darkness right now that we just need to to transfer over to Jesus? We need to say, Jesus, you take it. I can't anymore. I can't even. Jesus, what do you need to take? What do you need to transfer over to him? And I I want us to literally do this. Today, in in a journal or on a scrap of paper, write down what it is you need to transfer to him and then draw an arrow and then draw the cross. I transfer this to Jesus. I put it on the cross because I know that what I'm going to transfer is no match for the cross. It doesn't stand a chance. And, I, and throughout this week, just ponder that. Think about it. Spend time in it. Do, do this today. The Cowboys aren't playing, so I've got three hours added to my Sunday. So this, that's what I'm going to do today. Transfer what gives you anxiety over to Jesus. And then, what do you hope to get from that? What do you hope to get from transferring that to Jesus? By saying, Through transferring this, Jesus, I hope that you will do this. Jesus, I hope that you will come into the heart of my child. Jesus, I hope that you will hold my marriage together. Jesus, I hope that that you give me more time to spend with you. What do you hope to get out of that? And finally, stay with Jesus. This is the big reality check for the the people in, in Colossians. Paul is telling them, you know what Jesus has done for you. 
Now don't let these public pressures and anxieties get in the way and cloud your reality with Jesus, but stay with Jesus. Do not shift away from the hope that is found in the gospel. Transfer transfer your anxiety to Jesus. Hope in Jesus and stay with Jesus. Because then what clouds our reality with Jesus will not stand a chance against the cross. And Jesus does not want us to stand in the, the cloud, the domain of darkness that anxiety casts, but he wants us to stand firm and strong in the hope that is found in the gospel and stand in the shadow of the cross where nothing, not even anxiety, stands a chance.